Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. We talk Memphis, you sound so good. We talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning on a very wonderful, good-looking Friday morning. And, uh, you know, it starts out with about a 68 degrees. And I'm sure by the time we get to 4 o'clock this afternoon, we would be looking for that 68 degrees. But it's uh, summertime in Memphis, and welcome to Talk Money. I am Jim Shoemaker. You know, here's a here's a thought for you. It looks like we're going to start the market off a little sluggish this morning. we got a, our pre-markets are down. The Dow's down about 117 points. So we'll see what it, but I won't see what's going to happen. But here's what I want you to think about this ongoing bull market for the S&P 500 index stock index is going to reach its 87th month it's 87 month that's seven years and three months uh actually it did it yesterday it's six nine yesterday now that bull run the index is 11th since 1950 here's the statistic i want you to think about it's the second bull since 1950 to reach 87 months now I heard it put to a, a group of people the other day. We're in the ninth inning of a 12-inning game, mm-hmm. and I think that's the way to think about it. That's a, a thought process. You know, we all know it's kind of stretched out there a little bit, and that's kind of the way it works, and uh, it's just part of the system. So we're not going to talk about the market. I mean, you know, it is, it, it's sluggish. It's uh, got some headwinds. And there's some uncertainty. You, the, advise, the the client, when we work with you, we sense that uncertainty that you have. But even with all the uncertainty, markets should continue to, you know, improve. There's some reasons for that. That's not in, that's not an idea of optimism. That's not this glass-eyed, you know, look through the filter of optimism. Everything's going to show up good. No, there's some there's some issues. We've got some issues. Biggest issue you might think about is what we call the the BRICS and uh, Great Britain, the referendum that they're voting on could cause some uncertainty. And right now it's about an even heap. I mean, there's um, 40, so 44%, 45% saying, yes, they want to get out of the Eurozone, uh, the Euro, uh, the group, and then the European Union. And then uh, about 45, 46% say, no, they want to stay. So that's going to create some uncertainty that we have to play into that. OPEC, failure to reach its consensus on the, you know, this whole idea of production of oil. That makes some concerns. And Federal Reserve rate hikes. I mean, if you had talked to us last week, uh, you know, the middle of last week, we had said about 26% of everybody was saying, yes, no question about it. We'll see a rate hike in June, no later than July. And by the end of a 38,000 job, <laughs> we put out only 38,000 jobs for the month of May, that changed to less than 6%. So there's uncertainty. But in despite all that, there seems to be that conditions by the end of the year should improve. Summer, <laughs> uh, headwinds, summer volatility. So here's my thought. With all that uncertainty, all that process, here's the show. Here's what we're going to talk about today. Some things that you need to look for when you're working with an advisor. Biggest issue I have is sometimes advisors do not deliver what the client is asking them to do. 
And so you got to know what the skill set is of your advisor. And that's what I'm going to talk to today with my guest. And, of course, we're going to dive in and really pull the onion back on some things when you think, if I'm going to work with an advisor, if I'm going to take that step of working with someone that I've got to trust, how do I work with an advisor? What are the things you've got to do? Jason Harrington's with me. Michael Powell's with me. We're going to take a deep dive into some real big issues because the client, because of the uncertainty, needs somebody they can trust. That's the program today. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. We'll be back right after this. Jim Shoemaker, Jason Harrington, and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC. A registered investment advisor, Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. My guest today, Michael Powell and Jason Harrington. We're talking, going to talk about some essential skills. That, you know, I, I set the program up thinking, okay, you, you know, I know we've got concerns about the summer. I mean, people, whether it's Great Britain getting out of the euro, that's one thing, the eurozone, or whether it's OPEC not deciding to really manage oil, and, and all that puts a little bit of anxiety. We've got an election coming up. You've got people telling that Trump can't do this, and, you know, I mean, Clinton can't do this. I mean, both of them are liars, cheaters, and stealers, and all that kind of stuff. They're just not people that we're all excited about. And so everybody gets a little nervous and a little concerned. But what I want to start with you guys is, first of all, welcome to the program. Yes, glad to be Thanks. here. good to be back. You know, here's, here's the thought, guys. You guys have been on the program several times. You do a great job. And I just feel like that, that our listeners don't sometimes know what to ask for. They, they, sure. they don't really – it's kind of like you dive into this relationship. And you hope you've got a good relationship. Somebody has told you about somebody or you looked them up on the Internet or whatever. And, I, you know, it's like anything else. Uh, not every ad financial advisor is created equal. Some are transactional, and we really get concerned about that. They can say financial planning. They can spell financial planning, but they don't really do that. They're very transactionally oriented. They're very sales-oriented. And then you've got some that are very strong on the financial planning side, but they don't ever really help you get things implemented. Yeah, right. Now, you know, we've been doing this 40 years, and so it's kind of like we've tried over this period of time when we founded the company to say we're financial planners. We are going to not only help you understand the process, but we're going to guide you through that implementation because it's not about the plan, as we say all the time. It's about the results. But, guys, there's a skill set needed. Yes. And I want to start with you, Michael. You're one of our young guys. You're the future of the firm. 
you know, and what I like so much, Jason is involved in developing people in the firm, and we have to do that. This is a right. we serve over ten thousand clients. We've been around a long time, and we expect that your generation, you in that group that is is that under forty, we'll say. Uh, really is the next generation. And, uh, you know, and I'm excited about that because I, I look at you guys and I'm very impressed with what you do. But there's a skill set, the skill set that we had to see in you, Michael, honestly, or you wouldn't be with a firm. And so exactly. I want you to really talk about some of those things that we've kind of said this is the box of the skills. So let's start with what do you see as one of the biggest, most important skill sets that a financial advisor needs to have? First one I think right offhand is being authentic. Mm. Clients want to work with real people that have real problems and have real things that are going on. We want us to be honest, vulnerable on the personal side and the, on the professional side as well. So real people, I like that term. I mean, Jason, when you're talking with these young people as you're bringing these guys in and you really are in charge, you and Chris are both kind of that dedicated group here in Memphis that is saying we're looking at the next generation. You're responsible for the development of the next generation. When a person says, you know, you think I'm looking for a real person, what are you looking for when you're talking to a young man? You know, I'm looking for somebody. Can I connect to them? You know, are they are they peeling back a little bit of themselves? Are they being transparent and vulnerable? Are they... Are they willing to say, hey, I'm, I'm a real person just like you? I, I get worried. I Do you get... get that in the first interview with a person? No. In the first interview, you get what you would expect in the first interview. <laughs> they're, they're perfect, they're, you know. You know they they're walk fired over, up. Yeah, yeah not, not in the first interview. And we go through a process, and, and we have become uh, a, a much better at talking to our advisors in that second and third interview process to, to really get to uncover who they are what they are about, what are the things that they've done in the past, what are they interested in. I always ask every advisor, tell me what you do when you go home from work at night. You know, what, what are some interests that you so have? So the authentic person that, um, you know, I think, Michael, you said honest, vulnerable, that uh, personal and, and professional person. Jason, you used the word transparent. So, So the first thought process, Michael, from you is that I need to be authentic. Yes. People need to see me for who I am. Exactly. I love that. I think the world is, it, it, today's world, we are longing for just an authentic connection. That's a good point. So, again, I want to repeat what we're talking about here. If you're listening, you're looking for a financial advisor. You're trying to find some, or you're working with someone, and you're trying to decide, do they have the skill set? The skill set is different the skill set's not sales-oriented. Now, obviously, there's going to be some selling going on because it's just a natural tendency. But the reality is you've got the sense that there's something much more to the person you're with, working with just than the sales process. I think if you can see, are we becoming friends? Ah, very good. You know, in this process. It, it, at the end of this journey... You sh we should be more than just advisor client. Well, we're working towards a relationship of trust. Absolutely. And obviously, that's when you say authentic, transparent. That's the initial step of building trust. Right. What's the second thing, Michael? Being a good listener. I mean, there's a reason why we were created with just two ears and one mouth. We're supposed to listen a lot more than we talk. And that's one thing that I think some advisors struggle with is talking too much in the conversation. We really want to dive back, like Jason said earlier, peeling back the onion a little bit and trying to figure out what exactly they're looking for. Mm. And with us listening and being able to 
know what they're going to say, it's a lot easier instead of preparing to respond to something. Well, that's so critical because that's the natural tendency is you're talking to me and I'm trying to think, okay, how am I going to respond to that? And that's a guilt problem of, of trying to look good instead of really trying to listen. I know, Jason, you teach the guys that talk less. You know, if you're going to think you're using a thousand words, if you let the client use a thousand words, you use a hundred. Yes. And that's difficult. It is. It's difficult to teach. It's it's difficult when you uh, when you have information that you want to share to to take a pause and take a minute and uh, sometimes that is something you have to mentally you know, build in some checks into your conversation. We had a, a senior advisor on not too long ago that was talking about Social Security, and he had gone into a meeting with a client and he you know his first opening remarks to them tell me tell me what's going on tell me where you are. And, you know, the good part about it, he said, you know, they looked at me with like deer and headlights, like, what, we got to talk first? <laughs> you know, I mean, we thought you were going to, like everybody else, right. you're going to tell us how great you are. You're going to tell us how great your company is. You're going to tell us how great your product is. And we got to listen to that for an hour. And then we might get to say something to you. And his opening starts, comments were, tell me where you are and uh, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what's the problem, what's the issues. And he said, he said, 35 minutes later, I got to say something. That's great. But I said, that's, I mean, that is. And he said, it was a complete change of their mindset because they had a ton of things on their mind, ton of concerns. It was about Social Security. It was about the issues of retiring, some steps to retirement. And it was a whole nother mindset that they were not expecting because they knew he knew what their problem was. But they, he was willing to say I want to listen to you. I, I want to hear what you're talking about. That changed the whole mindset for the client. Well, nothing says you care more than tell me about you. Let well, me hear. I, Let me hear about <laughs> you. Let me listen. I, I have to tell you this. Last night, and I, my best instructor has been, I and mean, will be next Saturday for 44 years, uh, has been my wow. wife, you know. So she is a tremendous teacher to me. She's still teaching. A strict teacher. A I very strict teacher. <laughs> and she was telling me about something, and, and I was standing at a door opening, and she was in a room, and she, I was listening to her. And Well, something, I heard something or saw something out of my eye, and I just leaned back a little bit to look at it, and Uh-oh. she stopped talking. She said, are you... Listening. listening or not. And of course I was listening, but she wanted what she was looking at is that direct eye contact and that willingness. And of course, you know, immediately I got right back in line. Of course, and, you know, right. and so I went, Smart man, 44 years. 44. You've been hey, trained. I survived, yeah. But the problem is so many times I think we have a tendency to not be in the moment. And I think that's critical. And I know, Michael, you talked about that as we were coming into the program this morning. It's so easy to be have your mind distracted right. instead of the people that you're sitting in your office about. But you're right. The body language is very key, too. Very key. Very key. So another skill set that you would expect from a, from a client, from a, from a skill set from an advisor. Being empathetic. Uh, there's a lot of emotion when it comes to finance, whether it's just planning for retirement or just talking about the market like you did earlier in the show. But being able to connect with them and being relatable or just relating to somebody's feelings and put yourself in that situation on the other side of the table saying, what if a friend of mine was in the same situation? What if a family member was in this? Being able to really just connect with them in that way. You know, if you could get every advisor in our firm to have that thought process, you know, what if this was my family member? What if this was a close, close friend? 
It, I really think that's what empathy is all about, is really helping and learning and listening and relating to someone's feelings. And that, um, for some people, that's difficult. Right. But it's a skill set that the client should be looking for. That's that trust again. Are they empathizing with me? Do they understand me? Are they trying to understand me? So many times I, you know, I think, and Jason, you know this, you can either be, and we use the word authentic, and you, you know, but the reality is you can tell somebody's faking it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if they're being plastic or they, they're saying things because they've got that sales idea mindset, you can look past that when you get to this empathetic, empathy thought process, the empathetic mindset. That's a, you begin to sense if you're really mm-hmm. dealing with a real person. Absolutely. I see I see the empathetic piece is huge. I mean, a client wants to, at least my experience, wants to know that you, you get it. And when we understand, and we've probably experienced that. If you think back on some of the issues they have, you know someone that has gone through that. It's a real emotion. It's nothing to be, you know, for an advisor to get alarmed about, but to embrace and accept and to help them talk through it. I think uh, I think the first three that we've talked about are critical, but this next one, Michael, is so, so difficult, especially mm-hmm. for a, an advisor that gets caught up into himself right. and his knowledge and his credentials and he's, you know, all the things that he's been doing, he gets to this point. So let's just, just kind of peel this one back for me. What's number four? Being non-judgmental. I think this one is very important because you look at it from the client's point of view. If I'm sitting here talking about all the different things I'm doing, you always have that mindset of like, don't judge me, but I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. But we have to have that mindset. And a lot it. of clients are fearful of that. Right. They, sure they don't are. want to look stupid. That's right. I mean, you don't want to say, well, I've been doing this. And, you know, the advisor, well, that's the dumbest thing in the world. That's judgmental. And exactly. So you're saying don't be judgmental. Yes. We have to watch out for those shoulds. And we really just have to understand what the client's going for. Block out all those different things. Be able to have that complete independent third-party point of view with that, (laughs) if that makes sense. That makes great sense, but it is difficult to do. I think the client sometimes picks up on that real quick. I think the client can see, are you being judgmental? Are you looking down at me and saying that's not very smart? You know, that should never, ever happen. I think we talk about, I know you tell people that put yourself on their side of the table. That's why I like the fact that we work as a team approach in the office We've got the planning department, we've got the investment group, we've got all those guys, and we call them upstairs guys because they're all upstairs, That's but right. the reality is they're up there, and they're the, they're the ones that can come in sometimes and say, we need to do this and that. With you, the advisor, that skill set is you're on the side of the table with the client, locked arms with them, and you're defending them. And that's not being judgmental. When you're defending someone, you're working with them, and you're not trying to say, well, you didn't do it right, you shouldn't have done this, and why did you do that? There. There's nothing quicker to shut down a conversation than if a client feels like you've already created some preconceived notion about what they're doing and you're not really listening anymore. You're trying to uh, figure out why they're doing it. And an easy way to answer that is just to ask them, you know, why? What? Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. Tell me what's why going on. Why is this important why, why to you? Why is this important? Yeah. It is about the questions you ask. It is about the sincerity of those questions you ask. So if you just tuned in, I'm talking with Jason Harrington and Michael Powell, and we're talking about skill sets that you should be looking for if you're with a, working with an advisor. And we kind of take them for granted. Actually, we expect everybody to be this way, but 
in my lengthy of a career, I have found out that not everybody thinks this way. Now, you've got guys that are, you know, they want to tell you this and they can use the language. But at the end of the day, that is not where they are. And that is the issue. That That's the issue that we see a lot. When people come into our office, they tell us about the past experience they've had. They tell us about they didn't get this or they did. Just recently, I had a client in. And he said, you know, during the downturn, I could tell that there was not a sincere. There was the it was the wrong thought process. There was no coming to me with, hey, this is what we are thinking. This is, and he said that was the issue that he had. And I understand that. I because that was a tough downturn for us and anybody else. But you have to maintain a sense. It's about the client. It is not about you. The minute that you get this thing, it's all about the advisor. Wrong. It has to stay focused on what's the client's issues. Am I being empathetic? Am I being authentic? Am I willing to not be judgmental with this individual? Am I willing to say, let me help and let me work with you? And as you said, tell me more. Ask the questions. Do a lot of good listening, and I think that's good. There is the fifth one, though, that I think clients sometimes don't even expect us to think this way. But, Michael, you know it's important. Yes. Jason said earlier, it's tell me more. It's that sense of curiosity. We think about that a lot. We want to understand the why behind everything that people do, whether it's saving up for retirement or it's you know planning for a kid's education. We have to really dig deep into that because when we find out and, you know, tell me more about this. I want to be curious with it. But it also feels judgmental when you say why. Yeah. But you just want to, I guess, say it in a different way. But really, we're just trying to make sure that we find out why everything is going the way they're doing it. And, you know, sometimes asking that question, you do it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Because the first answer you get might be the one that I gave the last advisor. And you really do want to find the really the what the meat and the potatoes are behind their decision making process and the why. Maybe they've had some bad experiences, and they don't really want to tell you that. And that's a problem sometimes. So you kind of want to keep asking the question, keep digging. Maybe you don't get it on the first interview. Maybe you don't get it totally on the second interview. They will have eventually a sense that you're curious for the right reason. You're curious to help. And not to hinder. Well, I love the way you talked about this. This has been four or five solid skill sets that everybody talking to an advisor should be looking for those. When we come back, I am looking to Jason, you guys, Michael, to help me understand how do I work with an advisor? I'm going to be the client. All right. All right. I'm going to be the. I'm going to dive in with you guys, and I'm going to kind Ready. of Let's here do it. we go. But but I want everybody thinking is all right. I've made a decision. I, it's time. I need to work with it. I need to understand what I'm looking for. Now I want you guys to tell me. Okay. Now that I made the decision, what I look for in a good advisor. So stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. This is Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Hey, listening every Friday morning here, helping you make the most of your money. Shoemaker Financial and Securian Financial Services do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should always consult their tax or legal professionals regarding their own specific situation. Talk Money will return right after this.
you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Keisha Parrish at 901-757-5757 or email at kparish at shoemakerfinancial.com. material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we've been talking with Michael Powell and Jason Harrington, and we covered five essential skills that you look for when you want to go with an advisor. Authentic, they need to be authentic, they need to be real people. Uh, a listener. That was kind of one of those things that we talked about, the fact that it's not just listening and you know thinking about how you're going to respond, but really listening, as Michael said, with two ears. That's why you were giving them both, and they should both work. So being a good listener, being empathetic is number three. Non-judgmental. Uh, so easy to be judgmental, and you shouldn't be. So an advisor shouldn't be that, and we need to Make sure everybody understands that. And then a sense of curiosity, looking for the why and having a great amount of open and honest communication. So five essentials. But now we're to the point as we do the thought process, here you are, the client. I've gone through and find, okay, I've got good skill set. I know that there's some things here and I'm looking for someone. I'm getting referrals. I'm going to the Internet, whatever you're doing. But here it is. Now you have met with the advisor. How do you work with an advisor? How do you how does that how does that engagement process work? And it's easy to say, well, I, it, it just kind of happens. Well, it doesn't. In fact, I was reading a statistic recently from the Federal Reserve Bank it says that uh, 46 percent of 5,700 workers do not have. Listen to this. Do not have four hundred dollars set aside in cash to cover an emergency expense and would have to sell an asset or borrow $400 just to pay for a fundamental emergency. Wow. That's a big deal. That's a big number. That tells me there's a lot of people, 46% of this group of people, that's a pretty good sampling of the of the world, if you think about it, are not doing anything with an advisor because one of the first things that an advisor is going to say, we've got to cover emergencies. So how do you work with an advisor? It should be a good experience, an enjoyable experience. It should not be adversarial. It should not be uncomfortable. You should never dread it. It should be an opening, uh, an upfront kind of, uh, you know, easy to do. It should be something you're looking for. And by the way, financial planning is a lifelong activity. I'm fortunate enough to have chosen a career right out of college that I've been doing for a long time. We don't have to get into the, the number of decades, but it's more than one. <laughs> it's okay. That's enough. But the reality is I've still got clients that I've been working with since I, you know, they were in med school or just starting their career. Now they're the CEO of a firm or the president of a firm or a very successful doctor, and I'm, still, and I'm preparing for their retirements. And uh, I just met with one last two weeks ago, and he is retiring. And, uh, you know, he was in med school here in Memphis. He lives in Knoxville now. And... 
We've known, we've worked together for years. And it, that's the kind of relationship that I think every advisor should be working to have with their client. But at the same time, the client should be saying, I'm willing to work with someone. And Michael, for your age group, that's what you should be striving for. So let's start with you, Jason. If I've got an advisor and I say, okay, what should I be looking for? How often do you talk with an advisor? That's a great question. By rule, your advisor should be connecting with you at minimum, at minimum once per year. We tell our clients that a lot of times that connection piece has to evolve based on the client. If you're a client that and, and you're out there and you need to talk you know, once a month, we welcome that. If you need to talk weekly, we welcome that. But that that relationship evolves over time where your advisor should be meeting the needs of your communication standard and what you desire as a client. So it's the client's responsibility to say how much. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, they, they should. We, we want them to let us know how often we should be communicating. Let me with. ask you this. I'm client. Okay. Client okay. here. And I'm thinking, boy, I don't, I wanna, we don't want to bother you, Jason. I know you're busy. You know, so, so. You know, maybe I won't. So should I expect you to initiate some of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, we will initiate that. And and I'm going to encourage clients, empower them on, on the first time we meet to not feel that way. I'm going to kind of make an assumption on my own that they may wonder, am I going to call too much? And I will tell them on the front end, don't ever think that way. Okay. So don't don't so wonder, should you call it's me? It's the advisor's responsibility to let the client know I am never too busy never. to talk. So, Absolutely. And so am I expecting, let's, let's say I call in the morning at 8.30 for whatever reason. The market's down 90 points today as it opens up. Now, that's not a big deal. But, but let's say it's down 900 points. Yes. That's a, you know, that gets your attention. I live through that and know what that's like. I call. When do I expect to get a return call? You should hear from your advisor by no later than the end of the day. Okay. No later than the end could of the day. Because I'll be talking, you know, we may be... Having many of those calls coming right, along, you know, right. we, we would expect that. But you should hear from them from the end of the day, especially in a down market. That's when your advisor really needs to be reaching out to and you. And so he and, needs to be focused on that day. Absolutely. Not running from the phone, but running to the to phone. To the phone. Exactly. Absolutely. Good point. Uh, all right. Let me, let me throw this one out. I'm not a big client. Okay. I'm a little client. Sure. I'm not one of your top clients. Do I have the same expectations? Yeah, absolutely. It breaks my heart when I hear a client say that to me that, uh, I'll get a phone call and they'll say, "Hey, I, you know, they'll leave a message." I know I'm not your, biggest, I'm not client, your biggest client, you know, and and that they're they're people. We care about them. I care about what they're concerned. Their concern is big to them, and it's because it's big to them, it is big to me. You know, I'm going to say this. I have a, a very good friend of mine who who happens to be my my physician, and he's been my physician for a long time, and he does not email. Uh, and uh, uh, I've told him, I said, you know, I'll be honest with you. I've got sometimes a question for you that I don't really want to call you. I just want to shoot you an email or shoot you. I mean, he doesn't take emails from patients. And, you know, he said, well, I could give you mine. He said, but I just don't. And I'm thinking, no, it's not. No, I mean, you should that he should have a responsibility to. Now, does he have to return all of his emails? No, he's got a staff person sure. that could easily do that. Yeah. I don't get to return all my emails sometimes, because, but we do make sure that emails gets returned. And they do know that, hey, Jim's got your email. He can't get to you right now, but he will get to you by, and they set a time. So that there is communication. That's what you're really talking about. It's making sure they have that sense of communication. Michael, you and I have a little bit at the different extremes of the of the industry. Yes. Okay, so... 
Uh, what do you think? What do you say to your clients when you're working with them about the need to talk and, and how they need to understand? Because you're building that relationship. Mine's built. So what would you say is your important thoughts? Mine is just like Jason said. I mean, I'm letting the client set the tone of how they want to be contacted. I have some clients that say, I don't ever need a call. I, you know, you call me once a year, but unless there's something really bad going on, don't call me. It's hmm. not a big deal. In my, in my generation, it's more about emails. Okay. You have people that don't email. I have people that only email. Yeah. Yes. Or, you know, social media and all those different things. People just want to talk and ask questions. Just a quick, like, hey, what should I do about this? Instead of calling and asking, he's like, I know that you don't do this. And I know nobody in this room does this, but it's texting today. And a lot of people text and we're not allowed to really sure. discuss financial things on a text. It's always personal. That's, that's, that's you know, that's uh, has to be the email. Now, you can have a personal conversation with a client all day long or, hey, give me a call. I want to talk to you about something. Do that. But you can't enter into a discussion. Now, that's not us. That's not me saying that or you saying that. It's just simply that FINRA says that's not a regulatory type thing that they expect you to do. So for the client listening, if you're accustomed to texting and your advisor says, hey, I can't do this over this this particular media, send me an email or let's give me get on the phone. Understand that he's not doing that. That's a, that's a regulatory body that's telling us we cannot do that. Today's but, world, it takes a bit training well, your does, client. Yeah. You, know, you have Clients, to yeah. let your client know this is the form of appropriate communication. So, so how can... often should you talk? And we're saying, you know, the client should have some say about that, a lot of say, or they say. And if they say, just call me when you, you know, whatever, then you have to take the initiative to reach out to them. And Jason, you said it at minimum, minimum once a year. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, more often than that. In some form, I mean, whether it's a talk, it needs to be a touch. Yes. When we come back, we're going to listen to, of course, Rebecca Brazier here in a few seconds with Mid-South History Moment, as we always do about this time. We're going to come back with six reasons to talk to your advisor, six things that's going on in your life that should trigger a solid conversation. We'll be right back after this. Helping you make the most of your money, Talk Money will return right after this. One important reason that Memphis is the large, prosperous city that it is is because its main urban rival to the north failed. It was called Randolph, just 40 miles upriver from Memphis, and no one in the early 1800s was sure whether Memphis or Randolph would become the dominant city in the region. The first people who moved to Memphis didn't experience attacks from Native Americans, but the city of Memphis was still far removed from the rest of the civilized United States in those days. In fact, Memphis grew so slowly that its original founders didn't make a profit from the money they invested in the city. Although Union troops destroyed Randolph during the Civil War, it was the early expansion of American railroads that really made the difference. Memphis got the railroad line instead of Randolph and subsequently emerged as the larger and more commerce-friendly place for regional farmers to come sell their crops and for those crops to be transported out of Memphis by boat. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. 
This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the listener as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money, this is Talk Money. Well, again, I'm talking with Jason Harrington and Michael Powell, and we've been talking about, number one, some skill sets of an advisor, and number two, how do you work with an advisor? Something that we take for granted that everybody walking in the door is already prepared. The answer to that is that we know that you're not. So we hope we're giving you some insight into that. But, Jason, before the break, I said six reasons, or we want to go through at least four or five of these, but, you know, six reasons or thoughts of what, when you initiate the call to reasons to talk to your advisor, help me with that. Give me number one. I think number one is if you had a change in you or your spouse have had, or someone in your family's had a change in health, uh, that could create change of expenses. That might be a reduction of income. You might have to be out of work and we need to, we need to talk about that and see how that's going to affect your short term and your long range. So plan. know the options when you go through that process, finding out what the options would be. Michael, what's number two? When you're thinking about buying a home or selling a home. Big investment. Big investment. And even if you're just refinancing, going out in the market saying, hey, what if I did refinance my home and stuff like that? But really, it's taking a whole complete review of your entire debt structure. And when we look at all those different aspects, it might change cash flow quite a bit. You know, what you're saying, and I think it's important, guys, that we kind of lay this out. Really, if you've got a trusted advisor, somebody that's meeting the skill sets that you're looking for, authenticity, their they're listeners, you know, those things we were talking about earlier in the program. And, and you feel like, okay, I, I want to have a good relationship, a trust relationship. What you're saying is every time something's going on financial, you talk. Call. Big decisions. Yeah, Absolutely. big decisions. So health, buying a home. What's number three? I'd say number three would be if you've actually lost your job or, you know, change. you think you, or change jobs and you think you might. Yeah. Or you're going to move to a different company. There may be some retirement assets that need to be addressed. If you've lost your job completely, there's going to be a, a moment of unemployment. How do we redeploy assets to help you and your family through that? We need to talk about that. Okay. So again, open communication about a change in your life. Now, retirement is something that everybody can kind of focus on, but but when does a person need to say, hey, retirement's on my prior list? I guess, Michael, with that younger millennial group, are you getting people to think about retirement? I mean, we've kind of said, you know, you know, <laughs> from my age, at least. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, not enough people. But yeah. usually your mindset should be now. Yeah, it should it be. It shouldn't be tomorrow. It yeah. shouldn't be yesterday. It should be right now. And it's just discipline because, as a result yes, of that. Yes, it is. And a lot of people in my generation... They're not really thinking about those things right now because they're thinking about buying cars and buying homes and getting married and all these things. Oh, the 65-inch, you know, yeah, the plasma. TV. It's the hard plasma. for them to think about stopping work I when they watch, just started work. <laughs> got to watch Red Zone on Sunday. <laughs> you know, you that's right. Those different things. But, no, it's it's really – it's not as far away as you think. You turn around. It, I mean, it's June already It was yesterday. Yeah, I guarantee you for me and, it was yesterday. And each year is going by faster and faster. I'm going to turn around and I'll be 30. I'm just like, wow, what have I done? But retirement – has to be addressed immediately because the the quicker you deal with it, the better it's going to be if you just come in the office at, at 52 and saying, hey, I need to start doing something. That's They're like, a good well, point. Yeah. we need to start. So you really what you're talking about is developing a sense of, of discipline and, and, and just set a 401k plan. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Just set aside a certain amount of money, get the max that you, you know, the maximum match that you can and uh, start young. 
And you get to, but now here I am, 55. I'm the client again, Jason, 55. That's a that's a reason to talk. Absolutely. You're, uh, it's getting close for you. Retirement is getting close. It's an inevitable action, whether you choose to do it or your health uh, forces you to do it. It's time to start thinking and talking about it. And so you're looking then at your investment portfolio. Is it going to meet the demand that you're going to have, whether it's 62, 65, 66, 70? You know, looking at that, you got to look at long-term care insurance. Mm-hmm. Those are some issues you got to think about. Income and expenses. What's your lifestyle going to be like at retirement? And of course, Social Security, health insurance coverage. And there's just a litany of things. And what I like about what the advisors do when they're talking with someone. They run them through some big what ifs. Correct. What if you retire at 62? What if you retire at 66? What if their investment portfolio earns 6%? What if it only earns 3%? All those what ifs gives the client, you know, the chance to make a better decision because you're letting them see visually what's actually Mm going to happen. Absolutely. Those 55-year-olds have been saving possibly for 20 years, but they're not – it's been more of a – a habit, and they're not real sure if that those dollars set aside are actually going to do for them what they would like for them to do. And you know, there's a there's a lot of search. I mean, there are a lot of you know calculators on a lot of websites. You can go into a lot of different websites and do a calculator. The problem is sometimes you're doing that calculator and you're wondering, okay, did that help me or did that not help me? Right. The advisor, when you know you're talking to the advisor about this, the advisor's been through this a lot of times, so he's been with people. I tell you, from my perspective, my chair, I'm going to be very candid with you. I have never seen people. I I knew this was going to happen, but I'm shocked. I I really am. The number of people that struggle mentally and emotionally with retirement. Oh, I can imagine. It is. I have got several people that as I've gone through this process now where they're reaching this. The one I was talking to about earlier in the show has been the physician, you know, very successful is now at that point, and you know he he's not he's consulting now for the firm he used to work with, and so he's working two days a week, three days a week. Kept his office, doesn't have his assistant like he used to have, and and you could just sense. And he's telling me, so I got to remake myself. So I'm thinking about. He had six things he was thinking about doing, and I said, you know, the best thing you can do is narrow those down. Mm-hmm. And you could sense the struggle. It's that emotional disconnect. I've been Absol- purposeful for so many years. Yeah. And, My image has been with uh, this office. My image has been sure. this card. My image has been this it's been position. defined by this. And that's it's all changing. being nervous. Yeah. And so it's been my job to help him get through that. Fortunately, I've been trained in that, when, you know, for two and a half years working with the people that taught me how to do that. But the reality is that's helpful. But number two, I mean, I told him, I said, you know, maybe we ought to talk to a psychologist to help you get through this. But it is not being, I I just met with someone this past Monday that has retired, high profile type individual, and he's handling it. At least, at least he's sure giving me the image that he's handling it. Some people come in and they're just totally vulnerable totally broken down because of it. So that's a big issue. Retiring too soon is definitely, or retiring soon is definitely a reason. It's interesting. That conversation that you just mentioned with a financial quote-unquote advisor, nothing to do really with money. Just uh, his emotional, yeah, his person. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, I have a long relationship with everybody I'm talking to. So I knew them 20 years ago when they were in their peak and making their things and doing their stuff and doing it. And now I'm watching them and my job is to hold their hand and and to help them through that. And with their spouse, spouses seem to handle it a lot better uh, than the individual, but it, it, you know, it's, it's something. So a reason to talk, 
is you're going to be retiring. Retire right. Another good reason, great reason, is the birth of grandchildren. Yes. You yes, know, it is. how about that? I mean, that can sometimes be our children, obviously. Children, mm-hmm. you got a birth of a child. In your age group, you know, Michael, I think that's a big deal. You have yes. a new child coming. You, that's actually a big investment problem there. They're, they need to think about that. But for grandparents, grandchild, maybe you want to do something for that. So that's a reason to talk. What's another one, Jason? I'd say a, another reason to talk would be that you've had a marital status change. You you were single and now you're married uh, or you've gone through a divorce uh, or you're remarrying. Uh, anytime uh, your family is growing or changing or your marital status is changing, that's that's time to talk. There can be tax impacts on that. There can be new goals. What were your goals are now our goals. Uh, and so it's time to sit down and talk, and let's uh, put these two people, two new people, on the same page. So let's, let's review. Michael, you were going to say something? What? I just said you're adding more variables to the plan. Yeah, it's, it is. It's really, so you've got to kind of circle around those variables. Or decreasing them. Mm-hmm. You know, That's a yeah, good point. You never know. One of the things that we've talked about is skill sets. You know, what are you looking for? And we've kind of covered there were five of them. And that's important for people to go. You can listen to this on a podcast later on. But the reality is know that you've got some skills that you're look, listing for, looking for. And whether it's a being a good listener or authentic, you know, the real person that you can work with or one that's not condemning you, you know, that's, that's looking at you and got some kind of condemnation against because you did this or did that, not looking down your, his nose or her nose at you. That's a big one right there. And I like the fact that you said curious. They're asking the why, Michael. That's important. Then we talk about the skill, you know, how do you, when do you talk to your advisor? And it's everything from buying a house to getting a divorce to retirement to health changes, litany of things about when you, but the reality is make that something that happens. But now let's talk about this, guys, in closing, because I think we need to summarize some of these things. People get caught up in personal finance. When we gave that statistic a while ago where you've got less, you know, right at 47%, don't have savings money for an emergency. Four hundred simple four hundred fifty-seven people, fifty-seven hundred people that were interviewed by the Federal Reserve don't have enough money for an emergency, of, you know, fund. Right. So there's some issues here. So what are some of the things from personal finance that they need to be considering and, and concerned about? Start with me, Jason. Well, I think your stat is an indication that there is almost 50% of the people out there that are living in a very optimistic mindset. Not going to happen to me. Not going to happen to me, you know. And uh, the reality of that is that life will happen to all of us, and uh, you're you're running the risk of – you know, putting some of your long-range plans in, in jeopardy if you don't have cash. Retirement. Absolutely. Retirement. I mean, Michael was talking about it earlier. The 25 to 30-year-old said, hey, nah, I'll wait till later. Yeah, yeah, that's a long way away. Time, uh-huh. you know? Long way away. I've had a lot of 55-year-olds walk in and say, you know, I've been thinking about this a long time. And uh, thinking about it didn't work. I know. The the older I get, the the fact I will think about things that happen or that I wanted to do, and I'll realize, wait, that was 10 years ago yeah, I thought I that. It goes by fast. So number two. Number two would be uh, you just want to buy, you know, people what really I've heard you say this before that really uh, what gets in the way of most people's financial plan is not that the the market doesn't perform well for them or that, you know, they don't have the money to set aside. It's that they are competing with. I want that those new clothes, I'm, that television. I sure told Yeah, I want I something. Have I got to have it. You know, he's got it. I want it. Yeah. You know, and everybody's so. going to have the better toy than you. You're never going to catch up with the next Absolutely. guy. So the reality is managing consumerism. Yep. It's keeping you know. up with the Joneses. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Inertia. 
What does that mean? That's one of those thought processes when you talk about inertia. Tell me with that. Inertia is, you know, we've got uh, statistics out here that, that you had mentioned uh, to us the other day that there's a lot of money. It says $900 billion in money market mutual funds and $8 trillion in savings accounts and banks. That's a lot of money not at work. It's just sitting there. And, and what clients don't understand is with interest rates and with uh, when you couple in inflation and taxes that these folks that have that much money sitting inside doing nothing, they can lose over the course of 20 years half of their purchasing power over time. And, th- and that is a lot of money to not be doing anything for you, whereas you should have emergency reserve. There is a limit to how much cash you should have to just sitting aside and doing nothing. And I'm always amazed that that is what people, when it talks about this statistic of $900 billion, you know, that's you know, setting aside in a money market, $8 trillion in savings accounts and banks, and they're earning less than, you know, right at 1% or less, it just tells you they're, they're stricken with fear, stricken with fear, and they're not got a good advisor. You've been listening, of course, to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. And, you know, what I want you to understand is we've had some very good topics today, some essential skills that you want to know from an advisor. Those are important, being authentic, being a good listener, you know, being credible, not trying to you know, beat you over the head, somebody who's empathetic, not judgmental, and having a sense of curiosity. That's all very, very strong. So I want you to listen to this program on the podcast if you can and stay with us. But, of course, I want to thank the people and make it happen. Of course, as always, Art Frederick does a phenomenal job, producer and board operator for me. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner, production assistant, Eleanor Moskovich. Mid-South History Moment by... Rebecca Brazier, and it's written by Drew Johnson. Jim Shoemaker, thank you guys for being with me as always. Thanks. I'm here every Friday helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker, Jason Harrington, and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC. A registered investment advisor, Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Serving Tennessee, Mississippi, and Arkansas. The latest news stories are here. This is AM 990, KWAM Memphis.